Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Busy, the show where we talk productivity, work-life balance and defining happiness and success. My name is Graham Alcott, I'm your host for the show and on this episode I'm talking to Mike Bander. So if, if you're new to Beyond Busy, just to explain what I'm trying to do here, I'm really trying to connect the dots between those three key themes. So there's a lot of people who can work really hard on their productivity, but then it means their work-life balance suffers and also vice versa is true. And ultimately, you can be really productive and have a really good work-life balance and still not have that sense of happiness or contentment or flow in the work that you do. Um, So I think how people define happiness and success, I think, is something I'm really interested in. And part of why I'm doing this is research for a book, which will also be called Beyond Busy. And just to uh, really, as the process of the book goes on, give you a sense of... Uh, how I go about writing books and, you know, just to kind of let you behind the scenes really as we go through that process of writing the book. Um, So Mike Bander is my guest for this week's show. Mike is a young serial entrepreneur, uh, the youngest person ever to get an honorary doctorate in entrepreneurship from Aston University and uh, a mover and shaker really in the Birmingham startup scene, tech scene. Uh, We'll talk about a couple of the different apps and companies that Mike's involved in. And I'd never come across Mike before, but I was introduced to him through Ben and Jody Cook, who have also done this podcast before. Uh, and um, I just kind of knew from their recommendation that he'd be a really good person to chat to. And, and so it proved. Um, so I'll put a link to the Ben and Jody episodes uh, in the show notes here. Uh, Mike's also known for doing 30 day challenges. So kind of personal development stuff. Um where he does these different challenges, everything from doing a month of random acts of kindness uh, to a month of learning French really intensively uh, to a month of kayaking to work, which is one of the first things that comes up on Google when you uh, Google Mike's name and it's like, okay, uh, this is a guy I need to sit down with. This is going to be fun. So yeah, really fun conversation. Uh, This was on a Saturday morning. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll probably know that I, I go up to Birmingham every couple of weeks to go and watch Aston Villa play. And uh, so I did this one in the morning before an Aston Villa game. And we sat there in uh, Mike's beautiful offices, which were really quiet because it was a Saturday. There was just no one there. So we just had the, had the run of the place, really. Uh, so it's got a nice chilled atmosphere to it. And we sat on the balcony, uh, sort of, sort of land, landing space next to Mike's offices. Uh, so let's get straight into it. So here's my conversation with Mike Bander. Uh, so I'm here with Mike Panda. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, very well. Uh, let's talk about where we are because we're in um, what feels to me like a very inspiring set of surroundings. Here in Birmingham on a mid-October uh, Saturday afternoon and the sun is out and it's like, uh, yeah, it's just a beautiful day It's an amazing day, yeah. And, and it's, only when, it's only when the British winter starts to set in and, and kicks you a couple of times that you realise how much you appreciate these little jewels of days which do still happen in, in October. It's yeah, beautiful. and the le- leaves changing colour and the clouds in a nice blue sky. It's very nice. Very nice. Yeah. So tell me where we are. So we are in Innovation Campus Birmingham, which is um, it's, it's, it's one of the main hubs, if not the main hub of, of the tech and startup ecosystem here in Birmingham. Um, it's been here for, for quite a few years, but they, they really run a great community. They run lots of events. Um, we're, we're here because we're, we're based here. We, we've got an office based here. Um, and we're currently sitting in the atrium, which is just outside our office. But, but you can kind of see down and see all the other businesses which are based here. 
And we're like, we're sort of like the lone wolves on a Saturday, right? I think yeah. there's like one other guy uh, sat downstairs. And, there, there was uh, one guy leaving when I came in and it was hard to tell whether or not he, he'd come this morning or he'd stayed the night before. Pulled, <laughs> pulled a Friday all nighter for Absolutely. a client deadline or something. Um, and so in terms of um, uh, like this building and what it does, and like the, we were just talking before we pressed play about the sort of the power of physical spaces, you know, mm. when you're starting a new business and you need to network and get out and kind of learn from lots of other businesses. Like, tell me what this building means to you and what it, what it provides for you and, you for, and for your business. So, so I, I've actually been in and around this, this building for quite a long time. Um, when I, so I went to Aston University, which is just over the road. And in my final year at Aston, I, I was running a company with another guy where we had a few, a few guys. Um, and it was, it was an energy consultancy company. So we had people on the phone selling. Um, and we actually had an office in one of the other buildings. And okay. I, I, we, we, didn't, we never said that I was a student, so I don't think the guys working knew that I was a student. <laughs> and I'd just disappear off for the odd lecture here and there. So, so that what, was, what were you studying? Uh, management and strategy. Okay. Which is kind of just so a pretty biz, business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I've kind of been around the guys here for, for quite a long time. And um, what this what this building does is it, it's essentially structured that you start down in one corner in an incubator where you have an idea and they give you free office space and, and you develop that idea, you have mentoring and, and as you're talking about that physical space, you use that to meet other people with other ideas and share knowledge and and, and, and are in proximity to the bigger businesses and the growth businesses yeah, as well. Yeah. And then you kind of move up through the offices as as you, you grow, as your team grows, as uh and, and, and the support system is still there at different stages. So, so for me, this, this place actually means quite a lot. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it is more expensive to be here now than any other office space uh, in, in Birmingham or, or, or most other office spaces. But we, we, from a value perspective, from, from w- what it means and, and what we get from it, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And um, tell me about, from that value perspective, you know, some of the other organizations in here that perhaps you've met recently or, you know, that, that, have, that have given you that value. In that sure. Sense. So um, the, way we run our, the way we run our companies is we're very, very, very much people first. And, and that's from uh, how we treat our customers, how we treat our team, how we treat um, people we buy from, sell to and everything. And, and actually, if I, look at, if I look at all of our major people that we work with, a lot of them have come from conversations or um, meetings of serendipity based around here, to be fair, uh, and, and other places. So a specific example, um, the, the developers that built um, one of our, uh, the, the MVP of one of our newest businesses, they, we met them here and, and we kind of worked socially through conversations and we became friends and then we started working together and I feel like that's been a fantastic way to, to build relationships and, cool. and, and work essentially. And what's it like, is there a good, you know, sort of Friday night, go for a beer after work sort of I, I, culture here where people are sort of networking socially quite a lot? Uh, to be fair, I th- there, there are, but I think it's kind of in pockets. Okay. Um, so there's... Because as the businesses get bigger, there's a lot of people that work for the businesses. So there's like a group of developers and then there's a group of... Oh, uh, right, of course. Yeah. So, so yeah. it's lots of different different groupings of people. But the good thing is you, you're, you have access to all of them and, and there's, no, there's no people that you can't go for a beer with. It just doesn't yeah, always happen. Yeah. Um, and also, obviously, we're, we're, we're 
pretty much in the city centre with, with five minutes walk, ten minutes walk to the ballroom, five minutes walk to the city centre. So, so there's lots of other communities that you kind of are tapped into and have access to sure. as well. So, uh, and we're sat here on a Saturday afternoon primarily because I'm going to see a terrible football team that Aston Villa <laughs> play later on. Uh, but how often would you be in here on a weekend? I mean, is this like, is this just for me? You know, how, how often do you end up working Saturdays? Um, very rarely. Uh, almost never. Um, I sometimes come into the office uh, just to pick something up or, or whatever yeah, that may be, yeah. and, and I, I might do a couple of things, but extremely rarely. Uh, I'm, I'm actually very, very, very rarely in Birmingham at the weekend. Um, and and I, I, about six months ago, I moved into a new place. So whenever I'm here, I, I wake up in my own bed and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm in my own place. And, and then I realise I still haven't yeah. got curtains and things like that. So I'm like, right, I've got to go be an adult now. <laughs> well, good. So um, you're the co-founder of a, a business called Turn Partners, which does lots of, is involved in lots of other businesses. And uh, yeah, like so reading about the breadth of businesses that you're involved in, I found really fascinating. So let's just start with Turn Partners and... Um, uh, the story behind starting that and like what brought you to, to founding it? Sure. So James and I, so, so my, my business partner, co-founder, very, very good friend, James Vardy and I met on something called the New Entrepreneurs Foundation, which is a, essentially a 12-month training program for young entrepreneurs where you have a work-based placement and you um, get mentoring, you get training, you get coaching, support, everything for 12 months. And in that period, we we were able to kind of almost play, if you like, and, and, and test ourselves and, and work on different projects. And it quickly became apparent that we, we get on extraordinarily well. Um, we're very, very different people um, in terms of skill sets, in terms mm. of the way we look at different things. But ultimately, we're, we're extremely aligned in our ethos, in our, our, what we want out of life, how we want to run a business, how we want our life to work. Um, so we kind of just started working together. Um, I mean, we, we, we're hustlers at heart, so we'd hustle on different things. So whether it would be ticket touting or buying and selling random bits or throwing up splash pages and trying to drive traffic to them. Yeah. Um, and then uh, as, as we kind of, we, we basically just built up from there. Uh, and then Term Partners itself really started about three and a half years ago when, when, we, did, when we acquired a dating business. Um, and the dating business was a really good opportunity for us just because it was, it was accessible, um, it was affordable, and also it meant that it, it needed the skill sets that we knew we had at that time. Yeah. We didn't have to, we, we, we thought we didn't have to learn a lot, we did have to learn a lot. Um, and then, but we knew right then that we, we weren't, we didn't want to be dating in the dating business forever. Um, so we kind of see term partners as a ladder that, yeah. that we use one thing to, to build our team, to, to build our knowledge, skills and resources and, and, and take on the next challenge. And it's about having a, pe- a group of people around you that can solve different problems in different spheres or different sectors, I guess. Absolutely. So, yeah, so, so term partners for us really is we're, we're extremely people first. It's, mm. it's um we're people first across everything. So, so how we run our team, how we build our team, how we work with everyone, and and um, and and that's really at the heart of it. So, so we're essentially a group of friends that everybody chooses to come to work. Everybody chooses to turn up, yeah. and and that's really important to us. 
So everyone at Term Partners has unlimited holiday allowance, for example. Um, and we've just had to introduce minimum holiday allowance because people don't take holiday oh, right, to okay. give them unlimited yeah, holiday. Yeah. Um, and, and that's important to us, that people want, want to be here. People yeah. want to do what, what we do. And, and everyone is extremely supportive. Um, so, so building those people and, and building our team means that we're able to take on bigger challenges and, and do better at it. Yeah, and so you said we're people first. And then I was, in my head I was kind of thinking, I want to hear more about that because I feel like saying people first or saying like investors in people, I mean, these are like phrases that often you know mm. people will wheel out in all kinds of circumstances. Sure. But just from talking to you, like it kind of really feels like this is about building a whole bunch of people who we're, you know, we're friends and we're colleagues and we, we know what our skills are and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So obviously like the, the practical example of the holiday allowance there um, is just one way where I, I think you're uh, manifesting that. But like, just, just tell me more about that. Like, what, what's it like for someone to work within Turn Partners and what's the culture like within the organization? Um, it's, it's absolute, like, horizontal um there's no there's no real hierarchy we're we're very we're very process driven but process driven to the point of if we're doing things multiple times then let's figure out the best way of doing it and and we'll just make a note of it yeah and we'll do it that way until we figure out a better way of doing it so we're always like improving we're always iterating um where do you keep your processes just on a really kind of practical productivity a, a point of document, like so a, just like a, a, word a Google document? Doc. Okay. Yeah. Um, which actually means that someone can come in and, and learn everything about all of our businesses yeah. straight away. Yeah. Um, cool. And, and actually it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a really interesting, it, it enables us to always take on bigger challenges because the stuff that actually consumes a lot of your time doesn't have to consume a lot of your head. Yeah. So, so you have a lot more headspace which then becomes time um and and therefore people can can come in at a, even at a junior level and, and start to do really impressive things very quickly and then they develop faster so J- james and i just don't believe that people should feel like work is work mm. if someone isn't like looking like they're feeling 100 percent happy then they can just go home or, or they can or <laughs> stay but not work and and or we'll go for a drink or recently one of our one of our guys uh broke up with his his girlfriend and he he wasn't having like the best day so like we went and did a gym class in in the middle of the day just to like clear our heads and 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 chat um and and we celebrate everything so james and i used to everyone does this everyone sets goals and then as you're approaching that goal you you throw the goal further away you kind of celebrate the fact that you've hit that goal but but you don't because you haven't it's just within proximity yeah and then before you know it you're you're you've really you've really done good you've really developed and grown but actually you've not celebrated along the way Mm. so you'll see in the office we've got loads bottles of moe and each bottle of champagne has uh, a, a goal attached to it across the different businesses and they can be a case of, uh, we use SEO for heavily for the dating business. And we were chasing one particular keyword for a really, really long time. And, and we had the keyword on the bottle. And as soon as we hit it, our business manager uh, of, of the dating site popped it. We all, we all take some time out. We all celebrate it. Um, 
when we hit break even on on Hopper, uh, we all you know f- first customer even first thousand pounds yeah, you know right, well, whatever yeah. it is just just yeah. those little moments where we come back and we're all like do you know what we've done it we grow it that's lovely and so they're literally champagne moments for you it's like you know you, you the champagne's in the office they've got those little yeah, um, yeah. Uh, sort of measurables next to them Absolutely. and then it's like so you people are sort of driving towards the next one of those and whatever the business is yeah and 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 one of them is also uh on matt our, our, our dating manager um completing a course that he's on so it's not about it's not right, necessarily okay. like business yeah. it's about yeah. what what we want to do you know mm. what, as people we track we travel a lot as a team as well um so we uh because everyone has the flexibility james is actually based in london we've got some guys in the philippines and in russia uh and and most of us here in birmingham and we have contractors in different places cool. uh, so everyone's flexible to be wherever um so we, we all, uh, like a few of us went and worked from Mexico for a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago. And um, next month, I think a few of us are going to Barbados for a bit of time as well, just to work in the sun and break sure. up the winter and yeah. stuff like that. So yeah, I'm a big fan of, um, I spend a lot of time during the winter in, in Goa, in India. Oh, amazing. Some of that ends up being my, it's, you know, part of it is my sort of thinking time and it's where I read a lot and just get lots of input and stuff. But it's also for me just, it's about breaking up that British winter, right? Yeah, and just getting is. some sun. At, you know, November and February are two times that I think if you go, if you, if you just get a bit of sun, yeah. it just changes it. Yeah, I used to have, when I first went um, freelance, the first three or four years, I used to do cancel February. So the idea was like no work in February and just use that. And, you know, like, I think, I think it's like, um, it never made sense to me, the idea of we have about 10 weeks a year in the UK when the weather's nice. Uh-huh. To go to Spain or somewhere else in that know, time like, yeah. just made no sense because to me the British at all. Like, summer is amazing yeah. as well. It's so. And so if you've got good. festivals and you've got stuff that's happening, and you know, like, there's nothing better than being in the UK when the sun's shining. Absolutely, right, when it's yeah. Nice. yeah, absolutely. Like, it's the rest of the time that you want to escape from. But yeah, so um, tell me about. So you mentioned the dating site there. So uh, Toy Boy Warehouse. Yes. Um, so you said there that you didn't want to be in the dating business forever and it, you know when it came along it was a really good opportunity was it more about were you thinking about doing a dating business before or was it just that particular opportunity was the one that was the right one and just kind of interested in like the motivation for for taking that on and like what what you thought you could bring to it straight sure. away so it was it was purely and crudely a, a, a commercial move to start with we had no experience or real interest in, in the dating yeah. industry. Um, and this is, um, uh, is it called a Cougar site? What's yeah, the... so it's a Toy Boy. Toy Boy, toy, right, yeah. It's Toy Boy and Cougar, it's the yeah, same thing. Right? But, but we, we, we very much focused on Toy Boy dating because yeah. Cougar is quite sexualized and kind of makes the, the female members look predatory and stuff like that whereas we we're, we're a very female focused brand mm. um so we we make the toy boys look bad but but we it's, it's all about actually and creating cougar dating has quite a negative negative social connotations even right, now okay. and and the way we kind of like phrase things the way we work what we believe is actually about creating a, a, a space where Older women like younger men, younger men like older women. And actually, we create a space where you can pursue the relationships that you truly desire. And it's so much more than dating this business. So, so I'm, I'm kind of skipping here. We, we started it as a, as a 
purely commercial decision. Yeah. Um, the more we got into it, the more we spoke to our members, we spent a long time just speaking to members, you realize actually what a massive impact dating businesses, and particularly I, I believe Toy Warehouse has, has a bigger impact than most, has on individuals and, mm. and it quickly became about the human element of it yeah um and that's why it's such a fantastic business to run i mean it's it's safe to say that a lot of our members are just some of them are crazy some of them are like totally eccentric <laughs> they're wonderful wonderful people mm. and uh like I've learned a lot about people by speaking to the members yeah. of Toyota Warehouse. It's, 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 it's been a, it's been amazing. It's been a so, and people coming up then as a <coughs> as a sort of theme again. So, is that do you think the thing that the founder of that business didn't quite spot that you did, or that where you added the value in that sense? And you know, was that was that something that you figured out along the way, or was that something that you sort of knew from the start? I, I think actually she probably had it spot on. Yeah, but I feel like she. So, so Julia started the business in 2006 uh, because she she was in the niche. She she liked dating younger mm. men, and there was no dating sites that that started that, that kind of catered for that. Um, and the thing with toy boy dating is, if 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 you're an older woman that likes younger men, or vice versa, it's very hard to find older women or younger men that that also like older women or younger mm, men. Right. Okay. And a lot of people won't approach someone in a bar out of fear of rejection because a lot of people, it's a confidence issue. A lot, yeah. a lot of older women will think, well, why is that younger guy going to like me? You know? mm. what, and, but then the guys think the same. And, and if, if you, whenever I talk about toy boy dating, the younger guys are always saying, well, I get why younger guys like older women, but why do older women like younger men? But then when you speak to older women, they say, well, I get why older women <laughs> yeah, like right. younger men, but why would younger men... So, so it's kind of... Yeah. So, so because of that, people yeah. don't really... People don't really organically toy boy date as much. So, so, so she, she, was, she kind of was, was got that and, and she created an amazing space for it. Um, commercially, it was, was successful. Uh, she'd, she'd grown it. Um, she was very, very good at press. Uh, just because she's a fantastic story, she's a fantastic, like really, really inspirational woman. Mm. Um, but I think over the years she'd kind of just um, probably just lost a bit of interest. She, she's incredibly creative. She's she's an artist as well, and and I think that she running the dating business probably wasn't as much of a creative outlet for her as she needed. Um, I think this is a thing, you know. I, I certainly feel this. Um you know, with my business, but I see this a lot with other people's businesses as well, where, you know, I, I consider myself a creative. I know that I'm much better at starting new things mm. than I am at running existing things. And so I have all kinds of, you know, people and processes within, within Think Productive, within my business to, to, to run things and people yeah. who are really good and much prefer running things than creating things. Um, and it's about trying to find that balance, isn't Absolutely, it? And the sort of synergy yeah. within that, you know. But I mean, I'm sure there's loads of people who, you know, they set up a business, it's, it's doing well or it's doing okay, um, or even if it's doing badly, there becomes a point where it's like, this is no longer about the creativity, sure. but I feel like I have to keep going with it. And I, so, so I suppose in that sense, for you, I mean, that's where you guys can come in, right? So you can add that extra impetus and either buy people out or work with them and, yeah, uh, well, and, I, I and think start to sort of take it to the next level. This is one of my bugbears about 
startup and enterprise and and i i do quite a lot of training and talks mm. and the one thing i always tell people is before you even think about a business before you even decide you want to run a business think about what you want yeah think about who yeah. you are what why are you doing this is it for money then fine is it for social impact then fine is it a blend of both that's fine but but be honest with yourself with what you want and people don't do that mm. a lot of my friends that run businesses um the vast majority of them are very happy, but there's a lot of people that, that really dislike the business they run. And, mm. and what they've done is they've created themselves probably a worse paying job <laughs> than if they were to yeah. go, and, go and put their skills elsewhere. Um, but but we, we, in, in, the case of, in the case of Toyber Warehouse, um, James and I were, were very hungry commercially and and we we initially acquired 90% of Toyber Warehouse and and we we did very obvious commercial moves we put the prices up <laughs> we um introduced recurring billing we the the opportunity for us was that actually there were there was very simple tweaks which we knew could make a lot of money we rebuilt a lot of the technology we rebranded we I uh, spent a lot of time speaking to members and, you know, we, we kind of rebuilt the business from the ground up, but, mm. but with a, with a, I think there was about 28,000 members on there when, when we took, when we, when we acquired it. Um, and then the year after that, we, we, we acquired the last 10% of Julia. Um, but by that point, it had be, become a lot more than, than just commerce. You know, we'd, yeah. we'd understood the human side of it. So. And what's what's your relationship with her now? Like, are you still in touch with her? Yeah, like, yeah. What's um, and what's she doing since then? So um, she she's she's doing more creative things. So she is still within the kind of like enterprise space. Um, she's always working on really exciting exciting new projects. Um, she's doing different art commissions, um, and and I, I I always love speaking to Julia because she's always introducing something new to me and yeah, blowing yeah. my mind in some sort of way. And <laughs> She's a really great, she's a really lovely lady. Yeah, and so Tone Partners, so you obviously have that business, uh, then you have Hopper. Mm. Uh, so just explain what Hopper is. Just so Sure, so, so the, link, the link between the two is um, we, we originally, Toyota Warehouse was going to be the business that enables us to do whatever we want. Um, when, when we rebuilt it, we, we basically were in, it took a lot longer than what we wanted. It was a lot harder than what we thought. Where we thought we'd be in 18 months, uh, we're probably still not there now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we probably are now. But um, it, it, it was a really long, long rebuilding period. And actually, it got to the point at one point where we were doing a bit of consulting and still hustling to fund everything we were doing mm, on the dating business. Right. And, and because it was so hard at some points... Um, we, we almost thought at one, well, we did think at one point, this is ridiculous. We, we took this business to enable us to do other things, but now. So, the enabling being like a financial thing, right? So, like, get it to a stage where there's, where it, it provides the income to invest in other stuff yes, or for, yeah, it, financial, it, you know? but it's a skill set thing as well. Okay. A, right. So, like, learning through that experience. It's a, yeah. a team thing. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, predominantly financial. Um, uh, and, and, and we, we, we really enjoy like the consulting bits that we do. Um, and, and then they got to a point where we were like, hang on, we're, we're, we're enjoying what we're doing on the side, maybe more than what we're doing in, mm. in TBW at the moment yeah. to fund TBW, which is meant to fund us to do the things that we want to enjoy. 
that that point was was very small. Um, yeah, that was kind of like maybe about two weeks, uh, and and then it and then it started to come back round. But the lesson for us on that was actually, um, I'm very much living in the moment type person, but um, it, it's always it's always important in my opinion to look at very short, short, medium and long term goals and and find try and find a blend and a balance between them, because sometimes. If we hadn't have gone through that period, we wouldn't be in the position that we're yeah. in now. What do you mean by the blend and the balance there? So I, I, I have kind of like a criteria um, of success, of happiness, that I, I like to make sure I'm balanced and content every day. And, and for me, that's a mix of adding value, social impact, learning, enough money, earning enough money, things like that. And, and sometimes it's okay for that balance. And I, and I try and achieve that every day, and, and I often do. But sometimes it's okay for that balance to be off for a very short amount of time, yeah, as yeah. long as... As well, long that's as, what keeps things in balance longer term, yeah. is by having shorter, short-term periods where you have to really focus on one thing yeah. in order that it's okay in the medium term or the longer term. Right? Yeah. So like, I think the idea of balance and work... I mean, if you had work-life balance in a... It, like if you defined work-life balance in the way that a lot of people see it, we would work seven days a week, but we would work three hours a day. Sure, <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I, I do think there's always that sort of sense of what's out of balance in order to try and create balance mm. further down the line. As and, well. and quite often you don't really know that you're unbalanced until you come out of a period. Yeah, of that, that's true as well. Which yeah. is kind yeah. of which is kind of nice as long as you do come out of it, and, yeah. and then and then you kind of feel it a bit more on the way out. So anyway, so so we 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 got to the point with with uh, TBW that we built a little team, and um, we I think at that time we were probably we, we grew the business about two thousand percent over about eighteen months uh, revenue, and we got to the point where we were growing at about fifteen percent a month. Yeah, and we realised that we we could do more as as a group, and actually it was at that point of being that engine for t- for term partners. You know, it was it was making okay money yeah. and. Um, so, so we thought, you know what, if we can, if we can, we'll be happy with 10% growth a month over 15%, providing we're building other stuff as well. So we started looking around, um, and we have a very, very, very set and specific way of how we come up with new ideas. We, we don't just come up with new ideas. We, 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 (coughs) we have a very strong methodology, um, we, we use effectual thinking. I'm not sure if you've come across effectual thinking before. No. So the way most people come up with a business idea, uh, and, and everyone does it, we, we, we used to do it, uh, is, is uses something called causal logic. And causal logic is you start, you have an idea, you have a goal. So we did it previously with a, a fitness supplement company. We wanted to do fitness supplements by subscription. And that was our goal. It was called Probox. And then you look at all of the skills and resources and everything you need in order to achieve that goal. So, okay, we need uh, fitness supplements, we need a brand, we need a website, we need um, athletes to help support. And, and you kind of almost build a map of everything yeah. you need to get there. Yeah. And then your job as an entrepreneur is to find the most efficient route to achieve all of those things in order to achieve your goal. Sure. And that's how most people do it. The issue with that is, firstly quite often we're, we're bad at setting goals for what we want by the time we achieve them. Secondly, you're not really playing to your strengths because 
every time you, you hit the next thing that you need to achieve, you're having to learn something new. You're having to buy something new. You're having mm. to trade something. So, so it's almost like pushing a boulder up a hill. Um, and by the time you get there, you might, you probably aren't the right people to run that business. Yeah. From a skill set perspective, but also from a passion perspective or, or an interest perspective. And if somebody was to come and steal your idea or, or, or compete or whatever, if, if they, if they're, if it's more linked into who they are, then they're going to win because mm. they're, they're probably best yeah. people to run it. So we, we use something called effectual thinking, which essentially is that same process of, of, of how you start a business, but pretty much flipped around. upside yeah. down. So we never start, never, never, never start with predetermined goals or ideas, but we start with sets of means. So we ask, ask ourselves, who am I? What do I know? Who do I know? And when we're asking that as a business now, we, we look at that from a team perspective, from, from a resource, from a big network perspective. And how, I mean, how do you do that? So do you, you know, you sit around on a Monday morning when you know that you've got uh, Toyota Warehouse to that 10% and it's like, right, so now we want to do the next thing. Mm. Let's start asking those questions. Or, I mean, is it more organic than that? We've, we've it, it, it's, no, it's that. So it's brainstorming and, and like each member of the team coming up with what are their strengths at, and who do they time, know? At that time, it was mainly James and I. Right. Okay. Um, and, and we did have a few directions or, or thing, areas that we had a bit of knowledge in, but that's kind of what you know that we would mm, explore. Yeah. But it wasn't a case of this is what we want to do. Um, I think that the more we've practiced effectual thinking, the more it's become internalized in, in how we process things and how our team work as well. So mm. um, it's become more ingrained in our culture. But I think when, when you're first employing it, when, when you're first using that as a methodology, I think you write, write it down. Um, you also then look at affordable loss. So so many people that I know run a business that they've had to get investment on and then they've had to raise again and they've had to raise, raise again. They've had to pivot, pivot, pivot. They're four years down. They, they hate the business that they're running because mm. it's not the business that they started. And they've kind of lost those four years of their life and, and a lot of social time, whatever else. So we actually work out in, in actual terms, if this doesn't work, if this project or whatever we're doing doesn't come to fruition or anything, how much can we afford to lose and that be okay? Yeah. From a money perspective, yeah. from a time perspective, yeah. from like a social perspective, health is very important to us. So I think for Harper, we had six months, or, or when we started that project, it wasn't Harper at the time, six months. I think we were okay to, to dip in about 80 grand into, into group funds. Um, and it doesn't matter if you've only got five pound but it just means that you you engineer what you're doing in a different way. So maybe you have to take investment or maybe you just be really commercial from day one. I see. So so, so even if you didn't have the 80 grand, if you said, okay, we're, we're prepared over the next six months to put 80 grand into it, then it's almost like that's your boundary. So then you're going it, to... It, it's actually more parameters to, okay. to enable you to let ideas and goals develop over time. Hmm. So if you don't have any, if you only have five pounds to invest in a business, then you shouldn't be running a business that is going to require 12 months of technical development, 18 months of marketing, and you know, just don't run that business right, because yeah, you've only got yeah, five pounds to go yeah. into it and, and you might only have a year before you, know, you want to see some sort of return on it. 
maybe do a small buying and selling business or maybe but then you shouldn't get goal specific just know that you've only got five pounds put in and and don't don't kind of think beyond that wouldn't wouldn't a lot of people you know the, the classic sort of entrepreneurial thinking then is well find the person who wants to ingress invest the Seventy nine thousand yeah, nine hundred and ninety five pounds. But that's to get absolutely you there, right? fine. But then you you that needs to be understood within your affordable loss. Yeah, that actually you will you will then be running that funded that that funded company. Yeah, um, which has a huge implication in terms of your own time and the demands on your absolutely. time and the and, fact that and, you don't have a boss fine. and all those things. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's part yeah. of that. So so at this point we've we've looked at who we are, what we are, who, like what we know, who we know. Uh, what we can afford to lose, uh, and then you just let goals develop over time. So you start speaking to people. You start finding out what people that are close to you do and, and where value is. It's all about chasing value. Mm. So for us, we, were, we, we, we had a bit of development resource. We were quite good at online marketing. Um, we had a lot of people within our very close network that were, were quite big on social media. So that became a, a, a focus for us. And through conversations, um, we, we found out that people, Instagram was just becoming massive and people were really invested into it. So uh, a couple of people suggested it would be good if they could monetize their Instagram. So we then had a, a test concept about how people, uh, we were going to build a little widget so people could have a private Instagram account and, and you pay for access to that private Instagram okay. account. Yeah. So a celebrity can do... Uh, like behind the scenes content or a yoga yeah. instructor can do extra courses or whatever. Um, but before that became a goal, we kind of just do, like had conversations with that. Didn't ask, can this be built? But asked, should this be built? And, and then that kind of developed and pivoted into what Hopper is now. So mm. Hopper is a, a, the Instagram scheduling tool. Um, and, and that was a very organic development. So before we even decided that we were doing it, we had customers committed to, to pay for it. Yeah. And then we thought, okay, yeah. maybe this is the next thing for us. Mm. Um, so it's almost like, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're sat there thinking, right, we're going to start a new business, where do we start? It's almost like going fishing, but you're asking yourself a whole load of questions around, you know, what kind of fisherman are we going to be and where yeah. are we going to fish? And, you know, so, you, so where you get to is a place where you're naturally exploring the kind of ideas that you think you can add value to yeah, much more absolutely. quickly rather than just, you know, I mean, because you could just throw so many sort of uh, things at the wall and see what sticks, absolutely. couldn't you, in that sense? It's all about just playing to your strengths. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean that you can't do anything. You can always do anything, but actually it means that what you do end up doing, you're the best at. Yeah. And, and is probably yeah. most linked to who you are, what you want to achieve, what, why you're doing things. And then the more you do start, enterprise is a ladder, right? Hardly anybody starts their first business and it's the one that they are known for, you know. Enterprise is a ladder. We're, we're, mm. we're always learning. We're always doing skill sets. So if we're learning in the most efficient way and if you're enjoying that more importantly, then, then, then let that ladder up, you know. Yeah. Um, something that just comes through really strongly as I talk to you is just this whole sense of like, skills development understanding people and really thinking about like how you add value as a person you mentioned before james your business partner you're very different you have very different skill sets mm. tell me about that like what are those differences and how does it how does it work together sure so 
um, kind of a, a, in like a role perspective, uh, I look after people things. So um, pretty much most of the team, uh, sales and marketing, although we kind of split marketing because a lot of that is product driven. Um, but yeah, sales, marketing, hiring, training, uh, anything that is heavily ingrained in people mm. and they're like partnerships. And James does pretty much all of the product stuff. So he's, he's incredibly analytical. He's, he's, uh, he's a designer. He manages our development. So he, he's like the product guy. He, he does ev- everything across any of our businesses that you interact with. And, and it does something like that's James. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's why everything looks beautiful. It's all James. Um, and so, so if I'm on the people side and he's on the product side, there's a huge amount of overlap in that. Um, so marketing, for example, it's, it's a massive overlap. Um, and obviously the team, there's a massive overlap. But that's loosely how we're. Yeah. How we're and what are you like in terms of your styles and like how would you describe him and how would he describe you in terms of like how, how are you different? Um, in terms of styles, we're probably quite similar. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just about to laugh because this is, this is not your, the answer to your, this is not your question. But when you say style, we actually have a very different, like, physical style. Oh, right. <laughs> so, so I, I, he came, he was at my place the other day and I've just bought this really, like, nice new leather chair and, and I'm, I, I love it. It's like so comfortable. I love it. And James comes and he's like, yeah, it'll be really good when it's all scratched up. And you know, <laughs> right, I'm like, no, yeah. James, no. Like, so, <laughs> like, it needs to be nice and clean. And so, so we know we, we have, we have different, we approach things in different ways. So, um, and, and we approach things from those ways. So I, I'm more on the human side and in, in intuition. Mm. And James is more on the, the facts and figures side. Yeah. Um, and, and we know that and, and we make that work. So, so like sometimes we base things on intuition, but often we'll we'll back that up with facts yeah, and analytics. Yeah. So. And presumably that causes some conflict if you think about those things in different ways. And like and but is that a healthy tension? So it's like you know he's thinking about it in a very analytical way, and you're going, we need to really just think about this. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say conflict because we 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 don't actually have we don't have job titles or roles, um, but but we we know what we look at. Yeah. So, so I, I might ask James questions about some sort of product stuff, but, um, I have 100% faith and belief and trust and respect in what he does. And even if I would potentially do something different on a product perspective, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's good. Like sometimes James challenges me on things and I'm like, Oh, actually, yeah, that a lot. I don't know why I was doing that, so I'll do it differently. But if I still believe in something on my side, or James still believes in something that, that he looks after, that's it, and 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 that's that's how we do it. Right. Okay. Sometimes that doesn't always work out, but that's part of it. Yeah. You know, and and that that's it's good. And learning <laughs> is part of it, and you know, failure or being wrong is is a huge part of it yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, have you ever fallen out? Have you ever had big disagreements and? You know, one of you goes off in a huff for a couple of days or whatever. Literally never. Never. Okay. Yeah. And is that because you like keep the communication going the whole time? Is there? Yeah. A, and are you conscious of that? Like, do you have a sort of process around that or not? Not really. Some way of reviewing it or anything like that. We not really. No. We probably should, <laughs> but we don't have the need at the moment. We've worked together for four years, um, and we speak all the time. Um, I, I actually went on holiday, the first holiday in in, in a while where. Because we work and travel a lot, so mm. you sort of feel like you yeah. have holiday. Yeah. And uh, I, I went to India as well, actually, and and uh, 
I got back and, and we spoke on the phone and, and we were both like, hang on, we've not spoken for about 14 days. I've, <laughs> I've missed this. Because <laughs> we're, we're friends as well. Yeah, right? so, absolutely. Okay, so we were just, we were getting into, as you were telling the story about Hopper and we were talking about work-life balance, you said something like, um, I have a very sort of set way of defining what happiness and success mm. means to me. And then we just got onto the rest of Hopper and, and my ears were pricking up going, oh, I want to know what that is. Sorry, so yeah. tell me more about what, what does happiness and success mean to you and how do you, how do you try and define it? Right. So this is, this is, this has been years in the making, this, <laughs> and it's still not fully correct. Um, so I, kind of about four years ago, I was asked to do a talk and, and they gave me the title of the talk, which was a bit strange. And, and it was, um, freelancing your way to success because I was doing some consulting. <laughs> yeah. And and I think they just wanted like a 40-minute a talk about how to be a freelancer. But I, I really took it. I really like embraced the title and I thought, but what is, what is success? Like I don't know what success <laughs> is. Like how can I be the one that talks on this? And so, so I, I spent a really long time uh, trying to look at what success is. And I spoke to a lot of people and, and my favorite question to ask people is, are you successful? And, and, and what is success? Almost no one knows. Like, almost no one knows. And a lot of people that look successful, that we would consider as successful, don't feel or think that they're successful. Mm. And I, in, in this period, I, I, I was traveling a bit, and I met a guy, and he, uh, he's an American guy, lives in Colorado, and runs like a network marketing company. He told me that he worked 10 hours a week and earned about a quarter of a million dollars a year. And he said, you know, I could work 20 hours a week and, and earn half a million dollars and, and more and more. And at that time, when we were kind of hustling and looking for stuff, this was just before TBW, um, I said, I, I couldn't get it. It frustrated me. I said, well, just do it. Why don't you work 40 hours a week for a couple of years, earn a million dollars a year? And like, yeah. I just didn't get it. And, and we sat down one time and he said... Uh, he said, well, look, I, I live in Colorado. I play golf every day. Like, I, I, I snowboard all the time. Like, I, 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 yes, I want my business to, to grow, but I have the best life and I don't want to grow whilst jeopardize, and, and jeopardize my, my style of life. And that really hit me because at that point, I think I was 23 at the time, and I, I realized that I didn't know when I didn't know what I wanted. We're kind of engineered to work and mm. we're engineered to want more and more and more for the sake of more, not necessarily because we want it or need it. And, and I, I kind of got a bit concerned that I didn't know what, what that point would be. So coming back to what that means about success, I kind of thought, right, well, let me try and figure this out. Let, let me look over the last five years. I've been running businesses since, since I was 16. So let's look over the last kind of seven years at what has motivated me. Yeah. Because the drives of motivation are often clues at what we think success is at that time. And I realized that I used to run a paintball company and it was all about money. It was, it was, you make a sale, you, you make money. And, and that was, that was it. If we made a thousand pound on the day, it would be more successful than if we made a hundred pound on the day. Binary. Um, and that kind of got a bit boring. And then I started a company called My Health Cards with, with a, a lady called Jodie Hughes. And that was all social. So we worked with people with food allergies and intolerances. 
we were, we were creating informational health cards to help people order food in cafes and restaurants. Mm. No, no commercial model, but it, it was really good and actually yeah. speaking to communities and it was fantastic. But I was too commercial for that to, to motivate me for a long time. I then uh, worked with a friend on an energy consultancy company, the one that was in a building mm-hmm. over the road. Uh, and that, that was all about fun. We, we probably weren't very good at running that business, but we would literally just laugh the whole day like, over stupid stuff, the whole, whole day. Uh, and that was motivation. Uh, sorry, that was success for me. It was yeah, just fun. Yeah. I then, um, I then uh, went on the New Entrepreneurs Foundation. I didn't want to do anything apart from learn. I thought I don't care about running anything. I don't care about doing anything. I just want to learn, 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 and learn. Uh, and then after that, I, I did some consultancy and actually going into a client, all I wanted to do was make that client better. It was all about adding value. Mm. Um, and I realized, looking back over this, I've not once wanted to do more than one thing at a time. I've not had more than one motivation. And, and it's never lasted for long because I've been flitting. So I kind of realized, well, actually, all of those things are important to me. And what if I could experience them all? And I don't think, for me personally, success isn't something you achieve. Because in the same way we're talking about goals, that the closer you get to those goals, the less impressive they seem. Because you don't, if your goal is to have a million pound in the bank, you don't go from naught to a million. You, you'll have 999,000, and, and then the million doesn't feel like that much. So you never celebrate that, that success. Goals don't feel like that. For sure. And there's loads of research that says, um, there's a, a, a great study uh, that said millionaires, uh, when they're asked, what would you need to have in the bank in order to retire? They generally say twice as much as they have in the bank at that point. So if oh, you're really? at 20 million millionaire, you want 40. If you're a 2 million, you want 4, and so on and so on. Um, so I suppose it, sh- it does show, it sort of illustrates what you just said there in a slightly different way, but like that thing of, yeah, you might be at 950 and you want to get to a million. Yeah, like that last little jump, yeah. the last jump isn't that remarkable. Even though it is, as you would sort of put it in your office, a champagne moment, you'd probably yeah. have a thing on on a label, wouldn't you, saying yeah. like, but, reached but, a million. But, but, then, like, but then that's not the end, though, is it? Yeah, but so, it's just another day when yeah. you get there. And, and I think a lot of people... I don't think people do it now, but the kind of our older generations worked for retirement. I mean, mm. my granddad worked, he, like, worked, 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 worked for retirement and, and he never made retirement. And you think, shit, <laughs> like, why? Yeah. So, so a lot like, of people work not for retirement, but for the holiday. So it's like for, you're working 48 weeks yeah. for the four weeks of, yeah. of holiday. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that, that, like, that's just not, it stresses me out thinking about that. So, so I never wanted to achieve success. I thought, I, I think it's a bit of a broken model. I believe mm. in, I believe in momentum, but, but I want to experience success. So about three years, uh, so when, when I was about 23, this is a really long answer to your question. No, it's so, a great answer. I'm loving it. Um, it, I, I kind of developed this criteria for success and, and, and it was those five things. So my criteria for success was continued learning. Um, Adding a social, like, having a social value. So a a, a positive impact. Um, social, which is fun, family, friends. Like I love, love people around me. Um, adding value and having enough money. And when I first started this, I would measure each of those things. So I had a specific amount that I wanted to earn every week. Mm. I, 
because um, I, I, I love process, I do monthly challenges. So every 30 days, I do something different every day for 30 days. And that was my kind of way of always learning. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, would, I would assess myself every day, every week, every month. Have I experienced success today? And if I, if I went for more than a, a couple of days and, and I thought, well, I've had loads of fun, but I haven't added any value, or I'd rebalance it. And, and that becomes more of an internalized thing. And it took literally three years. And, and, and I felt I had a great three years. But last October, I hit a moment of absolute pure contentment. And, and, and that feeling of content or, or feeling content, I, 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 you hear about it and, and, and feeling it, is, it was totally different. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 was, it was amazing. Yeah. And, and actually, like, I, 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 everything crystallized. It was, I never wanted to be anywhere that I wasn't right now. I never wanted to speak to anyone that I wasn't with. I, I, I was happy wherever I was. And, mm. and unbelievable, unbelievable. What, and what was the moment? How did that come about? I, th- I, I think I was out for dinner with my friends and I think I'd had a really great day and, and I wasn't even talking and, and what was happening wasn't even relevant. But I just kind of, I remember feeling clear. I remember feeling like, shit, like, this, is, this is amazing. Like, I feel so goddamn like here. I can't describe it that well because mm. it, it, it's, it's a real feeling. And, and I, I have, I have like a coach and a couple of mentors. And I remember, so, so I, so I felt this amazing way. And I still feel it now, just over like a year. Um, but about six months after that, I started to feel that the real shiny, gleamy, like novel, novelty of the positivity, the shine had sort, started to come off a little bit. I still had the feeling, but the shine, it wasn't as like, bright and and as i was explaining this to one of my mentors a lovely lovely lady called helen higson she as i said oh you know like six months ago i started feeling really content she said it won't last right and i said well why well i don't understand Mm. why are you saying that because i hadn't even told her that it started to fade a bit and she said well contentment is is temporary and and she's so right because if you're ambitious or if you're driven and, and if you want to kind of grow and, and continue to become better, which is how I had got to that position because mm. I had experienced that on, on an upward trajectory, then by its very nature, when you become content, you, you almost, your momentum almost slows. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that was why. Um, so six months ago, I, I started coaching again to kind of, or receiving coaching again to sort of figure out in my head what what how to have that feeling and still develop and grow interesting so coming back to the, the moment of contentment so you sat over dinner was it do you think it was linked to the fact that so you'd got these sort of five strands if you like of how i'm going to measure my happiness and success and you were you were doing those adjustments if you felt like one of them was not being given the right level of attention for a couple mm. of days and that kind of thing. Was it a sense of I've over, I've been working so consciously at those five things that actually like I've had this day where I've really felt like I've added value and I've been around people and well, like, was it, was it a sense, was it a case of that? Was it a case of like, I think I'm really 
ticking all the boxes that I need to tick here. Was well, that, I think, I think those, those boxes are, are, weren't necessarily a checklist at the time. I'd, I'd practiced it so much. And, and also, it's, it's mm. like that, that's obviously very different and personal to everyone, and they do change as well yeah. over time. But I feel like it was more a case of, no, it was a feeling rather than a rather than an achievement of ticking those boxes. Yeah. I, th- I think I'd but kind no, of... But I, I suppose I'm asking, does the fee- did, do you think the feeling came about more because you'd been so conscious of, of, those, of those different elements? Mm. Not that it's a box ticking like, well, hey, I've reached that target, but like more you were, P- potentially. You were conscious about being present around those things. I, I, do, I do believe that that's how I got to that position because mm. I'd been proactive in thinking that. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that kind of framework helped me. Um, told you I like process. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a bit like, you know, a lot of, um, a, a lot of the sort of self-help around happiness talks about doing gratitude practice. And the reason for that is because it starts to change how your brain scans the world and your world for things that you can be grateful for. So you're then on the lookout for the, the positive reinforcement oh, stuff rather okay. than just noticing trends of, oh, the bus is late or that's happening, right? So you're looking, I mean, generally the mind looks at stuff in that yeah. more negative woe is me sort of way ah uh, yeah that's a really that good point actually way. so i'm just i just kind of it, it just sort of strikes me that maybe you'd almost trained your brain to to look for the positives in those yeah that, I'd not moments thought of that and, and, and also maybe more important than just looking at the positives because that sounds a little bit trite but like the fact that you'd done some definition work around that and you'd sort of said okay these are the things that i really want to be aiming for or that are important to me yeah sense. That's a, that's a really good point, yeah. It, it really is. And, and, and uh, thinking about it, it probably is that. It probably mm. is that. You know, it's kind of reframing your mind in a really organic way. Yeah. And then you said, so you went to see your mentor and it's, you felt like it had started to fade a little bit. Mm. Um, so tell me more about that. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's the novelty or what. I mean, I've, I've had, like, the last year has just been amazing. I've, I've, I've been so fortunate. So many amazing things have happened. So many amazing people have come into my life. And, and from, a, from a work perspective, from a personal achievement perspective, from, like, a relationship perspective in terms of, like, relationship with friends and family and all sorts. And, and I feel like it couldn't have got any better this year for me personally. But I think I think I think that because I have this feeling yeah. of contentment, right? It's kind of part of it. Yeah. And and but there was a time where I started. I got a little bit frustrated at myself because of momentum. Not the Jeremy Corbyn fan club momentum, but <laughs> your, your momentum. My momentum. <laughs> uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, it's funny thing when words like you can't use words anymore, like momentum. And um, there was a nightclub in, uh, well, there still is a nightclub in uh, Brighton that was called Coalition. And it's like after the Coalition government happened, it's like, <laughs> like, oh, it's like no, longer, no longer the coolest word to like, use. So pick out like an abstract word. There's nightclubs up and down the country <laughs> rebranding because of UK politics. <laughs> That's quite funny. But yeah, sorry. So, so, so you were starting to uh, get frustrated around your own momentum. I, I actually know specifically what it was. Um, I felt like I was letting potential opportunities pass me by. Um, so I, I, I was massively honoured this, this year to be made uh, a doctor. So I'm, I'm, um, I got an honorary doctorate from Aston. Oh, cool. Um, and like, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was like, it's, it was, it's one of the biggest honours I've had. Like, it, it's, it was fantastic. And, and that happened and I, um, was listed on the Maserati 100 and like a few other good things had happened and I kind of, I kind of felt like 
I maybe, maybe, maybe I didn't quite. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this as I'm saying this now, so I'm almost testing this out. This is where all the good stuff that. comes from. So okay. <laughs> think out loud. I think, <laughs> I think maybe I didn't feel worthy of it, and I think that maybe the frustration came as a result of me thinking this is happening to me rather than me driving it, mm. and the frustration came because I was thinking. Imagine if I was driving this. Like what what could what could we Ooh, interesting. achieve like as as people if we were dri- if I was driving this. And and I think that I think that was the root of the frustration. And, and because I do this whole experience success thing, it means that I'm not I don't have this massive end goal. But I I I don't have this massive end goal. I think that's it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it's. it's this funny, this isn't is it? like this is like an hour-long contradiction. That I've <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I think like the thing that is coming across really strongly to me is that sense of uh, of like like living success rather than striving to get to success mm. and trying to define success on the terms of what you do that day as well as thinking about the medium and the long term and like. I can see why that throws up some tensions, but I don't think it's a contradiction. You know, and I think you'll get, you can almost set the longer term goals of trying to get somewhere within the context of, well, I mean, I'm doing this good stuff every day. So if I keep putting one step forward and doing this, I'll probably get to somewhere like that, right? Mm. And I suppose as long as you're not too fixated on, you know, where that is or what that looks like and whether it's a million pounds or whether it's X or Y or, Um, whatever, then you can enjoy both, right? So you yeah, can have yeah. you can have those sort I, of things to daydream about, as well as the things that I'm really loving right now, which yeah, is the I, more important bit that people miss. I think the, the the way I've kind of like got okay with it um, is that I kind of view my life as like an open case study now. <laughs> <laughs> I um I absolutely absolutely fundamentally believe that anyone can can have any style of life that they desire i i i get frustrated when people when people are stuck in a rut and sometimes people are in incredibly difficult situations you you can't argue with that some people have better opportunities than others some people have more luck than others but i believe that everyone People always have choices, and and I think that actually sometimes people just need to feel slightly empowered to make those choices, mm. and then great things can happen from that. For me, enterprise and entrepreneurship is is the tool that enables me to make those choices and and develop the style of life which I want to live. I don't know exactly what that style of life is yet. I'm kind of living it whilst I'm trying to decide whether it's right. So I feel like you have a better idea of it than uh, than most people, just from the way we've been talking about it. Potentially, potentially, because I think about it a lot. Well, that's why, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And 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 I mean, why shouldn't people? You know, it's like I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast is is or or, or who's interested, like who's Googled anything to come up with any of this, are, are, are probably also like us and that they're they're thinking about this, which is great. And 
but 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 uh, but my kind of my kind of mission now, if you like, the, the thing that I am kind of working towards is to trying to to encourage people to make choices to 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 drive themselves and I, I i for in some cases and in my case entrepreneurship is the best tool for that and we don't do everything right but we also don't do everything wrong i say some things that i might not i might not believe in in a year's time so i don't ever I don't write blogs because I don't like that point that is like, this right, is what I feel okay. right now yeah. because I don't believe in that. But I will do videos, which is very much a case of, here's what I think today. And, you know, these are my, this is what I think. I'm not saying it's right. Yeah. It might be right. But you can listen to this if you want and, and you make up your own mind off, off the back of that. That's what I mean about the whole open case study type thing. Yeah. Um, and I have the same sort of view, but I feel like books is for me where it's like, this is what I think forever. Yeah. Whereas like blogs, there's a date on the blog, right? So it's like, that's what I thought on that uh, date. I, 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 so I suppose think it's just how you, how you frame yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting next to your book here. So <laughs> right. I'm, very, I'm very excited to feel like what you think, read what you think forever. <laughs> um, I want to, I before we finish, talk about your... So I love that idea of um, the whole thing is a bit of a sort of open case study... Uh, experimentation thing and your thing of doing something different every 30 days and mm. your 30 day challenges um, so one of them I read about was you started kayaking to work Absolutely. let's let's start there like how did that come about so um, <laughs> very randomly so we're actually we're, where we're sitting in the atrium so you can, can basically see the canal, see the canal. Yeah, yeah. so Birmingham prides itself on having more canals than Venice but, you know, it's one of our best selling points <laughs> Um, uh, for someone who lives in Birmingham, I tediously know that statistic very, very well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's repeated a lot. Um, and, and, and the canals are actually beautiful. It's, it, they're, they're really nice. And I live in the Jewelry Quarter. Um, so I can actually walk along the canal from the Jewelry Quarter to the office. And, and, and it's really, they're, they're really nice. There's really interesting places to go. Mm. Um, so one day I was just walking along. Um, and, and the way I do the 30-day challenges is I have a list of things that I want to learn, habits I want to pick up or lose, or things I want to try. And, uh, and, and this wasn't one, but I was walking along the canal and I realized that there were no locks from the jewelry quarter mm, to... Right. I was going to ask you about locks. So you just realized that there was none on that? I, on I, that I, was, I was just kind of wondering. I was yeah. like, oh, I'm at the office and there were, yeah. I've not passed any locks. And then I thought, oh, well, I'll just... I'll just kayak to work. And then I came into the office and told some people and people were like, oh, okay, all right, Mike. Um, but then that day I bought a kayak and then like the next day I kayaked to work. And I was like, see? <laughs> I had you kayaked good. before? Uh, no. But it's <laughs> it presumably was, pretty easy to well, get in one and start. It, it, no, it <laughs> took me about four times longer than it took to walk to, walk, to start right, with okay. because I, I spent a lot of time going around in circles. <laughs> I'd, I'd kayaked a bit on, on, you know, like the activity holidays, um, like week away from yeah, school sure, and stuff like yeah. that. Um, so like, yeah, I'd, I'd been in a kayak before. Uh, but, but yeah, so I, I did that every day for 30 days and, and I really loved it. And I loved it because it gives you the time. You're not on your phone. You're in a different place. I find water really, really relaxing. Mm. Um, but also you meet a lot of different people. So in, in there's, there's quite a lot of homeless people that are on the particular part of the canal where I get on. And, uh, and I just get to chat with those guys and, 
Yeah, um, you stand out a bit, sort of kayaking yeah. <laughs> along yeah, the canal at eight o'clock in the morning. And, and I've got a big orange kayak, yeah, there, right. so it's not subtle. Um, so all, all the guys along the canal will, will, will call me Captain Kayak, and, <laughs> and like we'll, we'll have a chat and a laugh and stuff. And so yeah, so that that was where that, how that one came about. Really yeah, came um, and where would I mean where would you, where would you keep the kayak when you get to work? Just, just <laughs> on the bike rack. So you just put it in the bike rack and lock yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't lock it up. I kind of think. Uh, if, if, someone if someone's going to steal it, it yeah, they, they can, sure. firstly they can steal it, and secondly, it's a, it's a massive <laughs> eight-foot orange kayak. Yeah, <laughs> and I was speaking to someone recently, and they were saying that they had the view of like bucket lists as being like a sort of revolving thing. And I guess what you're saying with the thirty-day challenge is kind of like mini bucket list stuff, isn't it? It's like I want to learn that thing, I want to drop that habit, I want to experience that, and so yeah. you sort of pick a different one, like every 30 days so do you have like a big long sort of master list of them not 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 as long as it used to be um is it written down or is it just in your head like it's written down yeah, it's yeah. Written down. um i actually pick a lot of things up from other people yeah so people that i like uh, i i get massively I, I kind of fall in love with people every day and and i <laughs> i get I, I get inspired by tiny things that someone would say yeah. that they don't they don't get why I'm asking so many questions about it. And then I might develop one off of that. And then you, the next thing they know is an email from you saying, hey, I'm doing a 30-day 30, 30 yeah. challenge around it. I'm trying to be like you. Yeah. And <laughs> you're, you're a vegetarian, but you did one of your 30-day challenges was eating meat. Oh, it was one of the hardest ones. Like, so why? Like, <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> that feels like a habit that you don't want to develop well, if I, you're a vegetarian. So I've been a vegetarian since I was about eight. Yeah. And I've, I've never liked the taste of meat. I've never mm. liked it. I, and, and even when I ate meat, I, I never liked fish. But I love food. I'm a, I'm a massive yeah. foodie. And I kind of... I, I'm a vegetarian because I don't like the taste and texture of meat. And I, when, when people ask you, oh, why are you veggie? And I say, oh, I don't like the taste and texture of meat. Uh, whenever, every time I said that, I, I kind of called bullshit on myself. Because if someone had said that to me, I would say... You can't not like the taste and texture of all meat. <laughs> and and a, a friend of mine doesn't like cucumber. And I'm like, when was the last time you tried cucumber? Yeah, like, try it again right, today. Okay, yeah. So I, I had a fear then that, firstly, I, I might have been wrong. And secondly, imagine if I got to like 55, 60, and I like accidentally ate some meat. And, and, and I realized that actually it was delicious. <laughs> and I was just, I'd just been wrong. I, I would have missed out on so much time. So I thought, right. There is probably a psychological element to the whole all eating animal thing now, which has developed over time. So I thought, I'll just do it as a 30-day challenge. I'll have one meat meal um, every day for 30 days. That will get me over the psychological side of it. And and I, hopefully, like, I might like meat. Yeah. Um, and, and I was very excited by it because it was the opportunity to... And a lot of my friends were excited because they were saying, oh, God, you're going to get to try this. And oh, it's going to open up your world. Yeah. And, oh, I and there is something. So I'm vegetarian as well. And I, I do that. For, I, I take that choice very positively. But, of course, every time you're in a restaurant, it is about denial, isn't it? Like you're looking at the menu and you sort of go, that's not something I can have. So did you have that like little piece of psychology? Yeah, I mean, I like the idea that you get into the restaurant and there's only like you have you only have a choice between four things yeah. and so you get to do that really quickly and then focus back on the people do, and i do, think that's do you more struggle when you like, go to do you struggle to order when you go to a vegetarian restaurant no i don't think so oh i can no. never decide 
Oh, when you go to a vegetarian restaurant. And, and you have oh, a whole yeah. menu oh, of yeah, options. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, for sure, wow, yeah. like, because yeah. even in normal restaurants, I'll normally, I'll, I'll normally ask the waiting staff, what's the best veggie option? I'll just have whatever they suggest. Right, okay. And, and yeah. in, in most restaurants, I always suggest the most expensive one. <laughs> right, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although my favourite place in Brighton is a place called Terra Terra, and they do this thing which is like a sort of tasting menu thing. Ooh. And it's amazing because, well, partly because you get to taste lots of different things and partly because it's sort of done for you so it's like you know you don't have oh, to look right. through this like and you don't menu. get food envy yeah exactly because you're getting yeah. a little bit of envy. what's that called um terra terra is the place and they just oh, do like a, is that where they have salads in the window um i don't think so oh, okay. no anyway, I think that's another place. um anyway uh so but but I, I do sometimes feel a little bit like not eating meat there's a there's a sort of like there is a little, obviously there's a little bit of that, which is like you're sort of, even in a positive way, denying yourself mm. of a certain thing. Yeah, so I'm just wondering if that, if did you feel that little bit of sort of free front of excitement of like, oh, I get to have burgers or oh, was, yeah, there, well, was there a was, thing around it was, that? It was, it was the excitement was that <laughs> I, it was actually the excitement about if I start to like meat, then I unlock all of those uh, yeah, opportunities. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. But I absolutely still am a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> I had 30 days of, of really open-mindedly and, and, and trying to be excited about it. And, and I'd get like five bites in. To, I remember my first thing was chicken katsu curry at Wagamama's because yeah. I remember saying it's amazing. And oh God, I just really didn't like it. I did like <laughs> really salty, fatty pork products. <laughs> so pepperoni hot. I could probably still have one now. Um, burnt pepperoni on pizza. I'm there. Brilliant. <laughs> but of course, the other thing is to be able to say to the meat eaters, well, I had some bacon and yeah. I even smelt it and I'm still not convinced. Yeah, yeah, because that's yeah. always the thing. Oh, yeah, but if you had bacon regularly, you'll Yeah, be absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, everyone says that. What, even bacon? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and tell me about some of the others. Like, uh, what, what, are the, what are the ones that stick out in your memory? Um, your 30 day challenges? So definitely those two uh, were, were very good. One of my favorite ones, well, what, what I'm doing now is yoga every day. Um, okay, nice. And that's really, that's like, I'm really enjoying that. I'm yeah. really enjoying that. I've just managed to, um, I've just cracked the headstand, which was like a big, a big thing for me. Mm. <laughs> um, one of the ones that I really enjoy was I did good, a good deed every day. Um, and it was, it was so insightful. So, mm depend on how much time i normally dedicate an hour a, d- a day um but sometimes you don't have an hour right so that's nice so within the 30 day challenge sort of structure that you have whatever you need like so that so that thing's going to get an hour of your time yeah. like over that that's a really nice way of thinking about it because i think for a lot of people including me i sometimes feel like well i'll I might set those challenges, but then life sort of gets in the way. So you have to have that structure of saying... Yeah, I mean, life does give sometimes obviously yeah. get in the way, but I'll just sleep less. I'll sleep an hour right. less. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, was, yeah, so, so, so a good deed every day. And it might be a mix of... Um, I remember the first one I did, it was a bit weird. I, I, I went and bought some boxes of chocolates and I just went to like... I, I just went to people and I said, look, you, you deserve to have an amazing day. Like, these are for you. I couldn't give them away. Wow. I, I, I couldn't. Because you like, were the weird guy trying to give people chocolates in the street. But like a sealed <laughs> box of chocolate. But yeah, yeah ultimately. And, and I think the first time, I, and I, I had like a box of celebrations and, and I had to stop like, well, firstly, people wouldn't stop. 
Yeah. That's the thing. And, and I, I used to be a paintball salesman. Like, I can stop people <laughs> in, in, in shopping centers. Um, people wouldn't stop. Yeah. And, then, and then when someone did like, engage in a conversation and you explain what you're doing, like, people really like it. Um, and, and, so, and I, I, really got, I really got a lot out of that. And, and I would do stupid ones as well, like where I'd buy a, a scratch card in a, in, a shop in, in a supermarket and then give it to the person that I just bought it from. Nice. Just yeah. stupid stuff, you know. Yeah. But, but people like it. Like, That's lovely. I, I remember one day I, I got back to the flat and, and life had got in the way and I hadn't, I hadn't done anything that day. And it was raining, it was dark. Um, I was quite tired. And my, uh, my girlfriend at the time had like, uh, had just got in and she had like a leopard print umbrella that she'd just hung up on the door. And I thought, no, I've got, I've got to, I've got to do good deeds for the day. Like, how hard is this? So I picked up the umbrella and I went into town. I must have been like a crazy. And, and I was doing umbrella taxes. Um, so like, <laughs> so imagine it, right? I'm, I'm, I'm quite, tall and lank as it is with a leopard print umbrella and I'm I'm going to people in the rain and being like oh like where are you going I'll walk with you and and it was so fun because I got to like talk to people the best person there was a there was a lady going to a black tie event the day afterwards and she just got out of the hairdressers and she had massive rollers in yeah and she lived in the rotunda like in the center of town and she just needed to walk down new street but she didn't want to get her hair wet and I saw her kind of like covering her hair and like darting and, and I was like, I've got this, like, I've got you covered and, and, and walked her to, to, to her, her front door and stuff. And, and it's, it's times like that where actually, like, you, you make the time to speak to people. Mm. And, and actually, the good deed for, the good deed of day was more about engaging with people you wouldn't usually engage. For sure. Yeah. Structured around something really positive for no reason. And just like messing it up as well. Like I think so, so many people and so much of society, especially in cities, are in patterns, right? And like people have their pattern of their commute and they have their pattern of nine to five and they have their sort of patterns of where they eat for lunch and who they talk to and who they don't talk to and all that sort of thing. So just to sort of mess with that a bit and just yeah. go like, I'm going to, I'm going to do something totally weird and different and talk and, and to, for it to be okay to just break out of that stuff. I yeah. think it's just a really inspiring thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely fun. It's definitely fun. I mean, you do often look like a crazy loon, but <laughs> I can, I can I deal with being of, a fruit loop process, for a right? bit. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, well, it's just been really inspiring chatting. And, um, yeah, I feel like the, I mean, the whole thing about, um, about sort of people and learning and seeing the whole thing as an experiment, I just think is a really sort of inspiring, mm. uh, overlying theme across like everything we've talked about, really. Um, tell tell the listeners where they can find out more about you and how they can connect with you and sure. Um, uh, just so give a bit of that background. My name's Mike Bander. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you if you Google me or I'm on social media at any at Mike Bander uh, or email Mike at Mike Bander and I love to talk as you can tell. Um, the, the the kind of two things that that, that I'd love to leave if, if that's okay. Um, the, the, uh, the effectual thinking piece, we, we've kind of just touched on it mm, a bit. Yeah. And, and for me, it was a, a game changer in how we run our companies. And, and we've, we've just launched a, a social influencer agency. I, 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 we never would have chosen to run that, that business, but we effectually launched it off the back of Hopper. So Hopper manages thousands and thousands of accounts in, in, across 55 countries. 
and we work with brands and influencers. So building an agency off the back of that was very difficult. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, it wasn't. It was, it was very easy um, because we use the skill sets, the yeah. knowledge and the resources. And I think that, that no matter where you are or what you have, understanding what your effectual base is and building on that, it's an absolute game changer. It's an absolute game changer. Mm. So, so I'd really encourage people if, if they are looking for business ideas or in the early stages of starting a business to look into effectual thinking and, and, and ask themselves those different things. Is, is, is there a particular book questions. that you were influenced by it's, around that? It's, or it's, very, it's like very, that or? very, very rarely covered. People, mm. it's, it's very under-documented. There is a, there is a study that originally um, uh, kind of uncovered it by... Uh, uh, Sarah Sarathi. Okay. Um, and I'll get some links for you to put yeah, in the show notes yeah, for this. Definitely will do. So, so that, that was one thing. The, another game changer was um, I, years ago, I, I identified myself as an independent wealth generator. And I know that I can do consulting or I can buy and sell something or whatever. And just understanding that gave me the confidence and, and empowered me enough to to not fear failure, to mm. not take jumps. And and anyone can do that. A- anyone can be an independent wealth generator. And as soon as you appreciate and understand that, it, 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 it's amazing. It's, it's incredibly empowering and, and great stuff can happen. And the final thing, I promise, <laughs> is... Uh, what what my my kind of fundamental belief in how I do things is is and and what I kind the way I kind of look at the world is that it's not what you are but it's who you are and it's not what you do but it's how you do it and and I think that applies to business but also to everything to to, to everything and I think that sometimes we lose sight of of who we are and, and, and how we do things in exchange for, for what we are and you know, mm. what, what we do. And, and I feel like, I, I, I don't know, it's, I, I say that with like a huge amount of positivity and that actually just people, people can do whatever they want, but actually it's, it's not what they want to do. That pe- people can do things in a really great way no matter what it is. And I think that's a really important thing to kind of, be responsible for yourself. Cool. I think that's a great note to end it on and, and leave people with. So it's Saturday afternoon. Uh, I'm going to go off and watch a very bad football team play in a little while. Um, what's the rest of your Saturday looking like? What you're um, I'm going to go for a swim now. Uh, and then I am going to, I'm probably just going to head into town and try and find some stuff for my poorly furnished flat, <laughs> <laughs> which, which, is, which needs a bit of... And are you, are you doing a 30-day challenge at the moment? Yeah, yoga. So oh, the yoga one, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. So that's and so have you done the yoga I've already? Yoga already yeah. today, I've yeah. yoga already. I've yoga. <laughs> um, and then I'm and then I'm going out with friends this evening. So, cool. Yeah. Sounds like a good day. Well, Mike, thank you very much for thank being on. Thank you Beyond so much. No, thank it's you. been great to speak. Thank you. So thanks again to Mike. Thanks also to Ben and Jody Cook who put me in touch with Mike and to Mark Stebman, my producer on the show uh, from Bloomsbury Digital. 
And if you want to find out more, you can go to getbeyondbusy.com. So getbeyondbusy.com is the website which will give you links to all the previous episodes, show notes from this episode, links to all the different stuff that we talked about and how to connect with the guests. Uh, and my company is, is called Think Productive. So you can find out more at thinkproductive.com. If you have a company that you want to be more productive and you want us to come in and help with that, uh, that's something that we do for a whole range of very well-known companies around the world, uh, big name brands, uh, government organizations, small organizations, everything in between. Uh, so go to thinkproductive.com and you can find out more there. And my book is How to Be a Productivity Ninja. Um, if you have ideas for who you think would be a really great guest for Beyond Busy, then I'd love to hear them. You can go to grahamalcott.com and send me an email through that. Or you can find me on Twitter. I'm just at grahamalcott on Twitter. Uh, so give me your ideas of who would who would be the best guest you could imagine listening to on Beyond Busy. Whose perspectives on productivity and work-life balance and how they define happiness and success would you really love to hear so they can be famous they can be not famous um, I try and do all these face to face so I'd love them to be based in the UK but if they're based overseas often there's ways of making that happen and there's been lots of international guests as well um, so let me know who you think would be a good guest for Beyond Busy and please do spread the word share subscribe all that good stuff as well so that's it from me that's it for another episode of Beyond Busy we'll be back as always in two weeks time and until then take care bye for now <laughs>